Thank you and welcome to Scripture on Creation. I'm Scott Kump. And I'm Dr. Ben Scripture. Dr. Scripture, you've been getting several questions from listeners in recent weeks. And in today's program, you are going to address another question which you described as crucial in the Christian life. Yes, Scott, I got an email from a listener. And even though he felt his question was not related to creation, it actually is fundamental to our understanding of not only creation, but to everything the Bible says. So, Scott, go ahead and read the letter. Well, if it relates to everything the Bible says, I say that's crucial. So, here's the letter. Hello, Dr. Scripture. I have been talking to someone about our Lord, but because of circular reasoning, he cannot believe what the Bible says. He says that the Bible was written by men who give authority to that writing by claiming to represent the God they write about. I have not come up with an answer yet that satisfies him because all of my answers are Bible-based. I was hoping that maybe you could help with this. I know this doesn't have much to do with creation, but I thought that you could help me. Thank you and God bless. Winston Gilcrest from Lincolnton, Georgia. Well, first, I want to thank Winston for his letter, and especially since it touches on such an important subject. What he refers to is an objection that lots of people who are witnessing to unbelievers must face. And so first, let me emphasize that this issue is fundamental in sharing the gospel with someone because it relates to whether or not a person trusts what the Bible says about anything, not just creation issues. And of course, the most important thing when witnessing to someone is whether or not the person believes what the Bible says about Jesus. However, for many, their doubts about other things the Bible talks about is a huge obstacle for them. Other things can be creation or miracles, the records of historical events like the flood or the exodus or even stories like David and Goliath. I mean, the Bible does say, after all, Goliath was about nine feet tall. Now, sometimes people can have a problem with something like that, which believers generally tend to pretty easily accept. So being able to explain why you believe the Bible is true and truly the Word of God is often an important thing to be able to do when you're trying to explain the gospel to someone. Now, Dr. Scripture, isn't the idea of why the Bible is believable what the subject of apologetics is all about? Yes, Scott. That word apologetics actually comes from the Greek word apologia. And that word is actually found several times in the New Testament. Which word? Apologetics? <laughs> no, apologia. Oh, okay. The Greek word, which is normally translated defense in English. And it occurs mostly in New Testament passages related to the Apostle Paul's life and ministry. Let's look at a couple of examples so we all get a good understanding of the usage of this word. The word appears several times in the book of Acts, but I want to look at what Paul says to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, what Paul is doing in this passage is defending his right to receive material support for the work he did in serving the church in Corinth. And I'm going to start reading in 1 Corinthians 9 verse 2, quote, If to others I am not an apostle... At least I am to you, for you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we not have a right to eat and drink? Do we not have a right to take along a believing wife, even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas do? Or do only Barnabas and I not have a right to refrain from working? 
Who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? Who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of it? Or who tends a flock and does not use the milk of the flock? Unquote. Now, I read that fairly large section because it shows that Paul was making several very common sense, logical observations to make his point. Yeah, and he's kind of arguing like an attorney. Yeah, it's sort of like an attorney. And what did he say he was doing? In verse 3, he said, my defense is this. That word defense is the translation of that Greek word apologia. And like I said before, the word defense is normally the English word used to translate apologia. So Paul is simply appealing to their common sense, using the kind of reasoning we go through every day. Right. It's not complex or convoluted at all. Here's another example in his letter to the Philippians. In Philippians 1.16, when talking about his imprisonment, he said, quote, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel, unquote. So here again is that Greek word apologia translated defense. But now, in the case of Paul, most often, he was making logical explanations from the Old Testament to explain the validity of either the identity of Jesus Christ as the Son of God, as well as he would show the Old Testament basis for the New Testament doctrines of salvation by faith, as well as others. He did that a lot. Yeah, he did. Like Romans. That's the whole (laughs) book of Romans. But most of his explanations were addressed to Jews who already believed the Old Testament. So he wasn't trying to convince them that the Bible for them, which was the Old Testament, was believable. But often in the world we live in, what we have to explain, at least at first, is why the Bible, both Old and New Testament, is believable. Before we explain what the gospel even is, or the meaning of many of the doctrines taught in the New Testament. And Dr. Scripture, I think that is also what Peter was really getting at when he says we should be able to explain our hope. So it wasn't just Paul who addresses this issue. Oh, exactly, Scott. The verse you're referring to is 1 Peter 3.15. One of my favorite verses. All right. But sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and reverence. So there's our word, defense, that translates apologia. I think that verse... 1 Peter 3.15 is usually the main verse used to justify the need for apologetics. I agree. And Winston, our letter writer, obviously has come to understand the importance of apologetics through his experience witnessing to the person who claims the Bible is simply a work of man. So with all that said, Winston, I have a couple of suggestions on what you might say in response to that kind of objection. You can point out that the norm in ancient literature was to exaggerate and even flat out lie about the triumphs and prowess of the heroes and kings in their written records. So a scribe writing for a king would only record the magnificent victories and the feats of wonder that the king or the, the hero performed, never talking about the times he got beat. And of course, probably even worse, you would never read about some character flaw that the king had or something that the hero couldn't do very well. Exactly. Imagine a scribe writing about what a coward King Gigantus of Canaan was (laughs) or how he was all worried about what his subjects thought of him. I mean, the scribe would he wouldn't have had a hand to write on another scroll on. Uh, I think he might not have a head to think (laughs) right. (laughs) But now look at the Bible in contrast. 
all the heroes, the great servants of God, we might think of Abraham or Moses or David, they have their flaws written about for all to see. That surely indicates that the biblical record is fundamentally different from other ancient Near Eastern literature. I mean, the Old Testament is the literature of the Israeli people, and yet it basically is a gigantic indictment and a litany of failure after failure of the people and their kings and even some of their prophets who were the ones writing. <laughs> so that's one thing that you could talk about to somebody who is saying that the Bible is only a work of man. Another factor which distinguishes the Bible from other writings of men is the fulfillment of prophecies. In other words, the supernatural nature of the Bible, which can't be explained by human exercise. Now, we're not going to have time in our program today to talk about a lot of the different prophecies that somebody could refer to, but I think that's a good exercise for each of us to go through. Think about some of the prophecies that we know of in Isaiah or in one of the other prophets and then how they came true later. And if somebody says, oh, well, they just wrote about these prophecies and fulfilled them by their own imagination later, that can be disproved because we know, for example, that the Dead Sea Scrolls were written before the life of Christ, and yet we've got all these prophecies that the Lord Jesus fulfilled. So a good exercise for each of us would be to consider some of the prophecies and how they were fulfilled. You don't have to do them all. Just one or even two would be plenty to prepare ourselves. And then how about so many of the scientifically accurate statements recorded throughout the Bible that have no explanation from a human understanding? Since there was no way for those writers to know the particular details they were writing about. Such occurrences verify what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, that, quote, men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God, unquote. Well, Dr. Scripture, many of those scientific evidences are the kinds of specifics we talk about on this radio program. Well, that's right, Scott. And I'm not suggesting that a person needs to have a vast repertoire of facts to argue <laughs> with, but having a couple of examples that make good sense to you and that you can simply share with another person will go a long way in fulfilling what Peter was talking about. Notice that in part, what he says is that we need to be prepared. And I submit that means taking the time to intentionally learn a thing or two and have it set aside in your heart so you can explain it to someone else. And you know, I think that it's a good exercise, not only from the perspective of sharing with someone else, but I think it's a good exercise for our own faith. Yeah, I think that not only should we be able to give a reason for the hope that is in us to somebody else, but it's a good review in our own hearts to think about the things that give us that confidence, give us that encouragement for why we believe the Bible. You know, the devil has a very insidious way of inserting little doubts, little things to question the truth, the validity of the Bible in our own hearts. And how many of us have asked, how do I know that this is really true? And let's be honest, and this is what Winston is dealing with. I mean, it's, sometimes it's not enough to say the Bible's true because it says it's true. That's right. And for young people, I think especially, they parrot, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but they parrot the things that they've been taught from their parents or in church, and they might not really understand it or really internalize it, grasp it themselves. And so going through, why do I believe the Bible is true? What things about it have convinced me? Or maybe I need to figure out. 
Am I really convinced of the Bible is true for myself? And when we go through those exercises, it not only then prepares us to share what we believe with somebody else, but really be solidified in our own faith. And so what does Peter say there in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15? He says, sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts. I think that in one sense, we can look at that as meaning set apart the Lord, set apart that faith that we have in him, set it apart and really know what we're talking about so that we're not just parroting things that others might say. And then he goes on to say, always being ready to make a defense, always being ready. That means we should be prepared. Again, I'm emphasizing this idea of having something, and it doesn't have to be a great big litany of ideas or truths, but have a few things that I'm convinced of that I've set aside that really I can pull up anytime I need to or want to make a defense to everyone. Wow, that's something, everyone. Whether you're talking to some PhD that seems to know everything or a little child, have something that you're ready to make a defense with, an explanation with to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you. And that's not what I say. That's what scripture says.